0: Welcome to I Hate It Here, the podcast for HR and people professionals, making the hardest job in the world just a little bit easier. I'm Hibi Youssef. I'm so excited. It is episode two of HR Therapy. I will hopefully stop bopping today, but I have a great guest, Sarika. I can't wait for us to introduce ourselves and tell everyone about who you are. Um, And we are talking about a topic near and dear to both of our hearts today, burnout. And we will talk a little bit about it. We'll share what burnout is. So we're going to meet our cast, we're going to do our Q&A, we're going to do our live Q&A, and then we'll wrap up. I have talked far too much. Sarika, (laughs) they want to know who you are.
1: Introduce yourself. Yes. Hey, everyone. My name is Sarika Lamont. I am super stoked to be here. I most recently was a chief talent officer for a global SaaS organization. And prior to that, I worked in management consulting, actually started my career more in sales marketing and then into client delivery and management consulting. So I have a very non-traditional background um, as I've made my way sort of organically to organizations ago into the world of people and talent and culture, and just organically found a passion around these things. So I'm super excited to be here today and talk a bit about burnout as I myself have experienced burnout, especially being in executive roles for the last uh, you know five or so years. I'm actually taking, I've been taking a sabbatical for the last couple of months to actually get some rest and reset because I identified that I definitely have uh, experienced a little bit of burnout um, and I can talk a little bit
0: today about sort of the things I've been doing over the last couple of months as I've taken some time for myself. We share that in common that neither one of us started in HR because I spent the first five years of my career doing other things too that people were at the very core of. So I found out that I was very passionate about people. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Hibba. Welcome to the I Hated Here HR therapy community. I am the founder and creator behind I Hated Here, that newsletter that hopefully gets to your inbox by 1230, although lately it's been one, all about all the things happening in workplace cultures. We're going to dive in with just like a descriptor of what is burnout. How many of you have like casually said, hey, I'm like burnt out, like really burnt out. I say it all the time. And it wasn't until I like really was diving into this topic to understand, like this is the World Health Organization definition of burnout. And it's like chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. And they characterize it by three dimensions. And now I think about these three dimensions constantly. The first is like feeling of energy depletion or exhaustion. I'm just freaking tired. Like I want to sleep all the time or I just have no energy. What I'm giving all of you right now is 100 energy. Imagine me a zero. I'm just like a zombie. The second one is feelings of, we talked about negativism, cynicism related to one's job. I hate this job. I don't like it. It sucks. Everything about it is terrible. I'm not going to ask by a show of hands of how many of you have told your friends, oh, I hate my job. Or you just feel negative about what you can actually accomplish. And the last is reduced professional efficacy, which I mean, in layman's terms is, am I actually successful at this job? Do I feel every day, day in and day out that I can be successful? So I wanted to share that with all of you just so it's like a we set the base for like what we're talking about today, because burnout can be all of these things, one of these things way more than the other. And Sarika and I have navigated it in our careers to date, and we really want to share that with you all today as like HR people, I think, are experiencing a lot of burnout. But I'm not going to just say that. I'm going to ask all of you. So we're going to do one poll, and I'm going to ask all of you to out your phone. Or you can click the link that will be dropped in the chat. And I want you to vote on how burnt out you personally are. Wow, looks like the majority of us are seven or above. I'm really glad that the 9% of you that said you're at max burnout, I'm really sorry. I feel like that's really hard. It's hard to see. I feel for you. Hopefully today we can share some good stuff that will help with this burnout. Okay. Let's dive in. So, Heba. How should you let your team and or manager know when you're experiencing burnout? Oh, what a great question. Those are two different audiences that need two different explanations to what you're experiencing. With your team, I always say that like it's hard for you to show up as a leader and be burnt out, and your team is going to notice it. So I think if you're honest with your team on what challenges you're experiencing... It's that little piece of vulnerability that I think really helps your team feel safe and connected to you as a leader. And so that's like one thing. And I also probably err on the side of like radical transparency with my team. When I'm having a bad day, I say like, I'm a three out of 10 today. I like to use a 10 point scale. But I found that in the last few years, the more I share with my team how I'm feeling, the more trust they feel with me. If you're really struggling, there's a way as a leader to say, hey, I'm like, I'm kind of struggling. I feel a little burnt out. Like my energy is really low or I feel like I'm not being successful. You should share that with your team and see how they respond because I think sharing that with them, you'll have like a really positive reaction from them back. It's also really easy to say everything sucks and I hate this world. You can do that too. Just for your team, I'm not really sure that's like the best audience, but for your manager, I think you should be really transparent if you feel safe with your manager sharing, like I am not doing well. And you shouldn't be afraid to ask for help from your manager. And that's just what I would do, like letting team versus manager know. Team, share with your team that you're struggling and why. With your manager, ask for the help you need. And I know there's like a scenario where your manager is not helpful or you don't feel safe talking to them. I still think it's worth trying. But that's just been my personal experience. I would love to know how you've told your team or your manager that you're experiencing burnout.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, there's some good stuff going on in the chat box that I completely agree with is being a leader, you know, and managing people, I think it's important to be vulnerable, but there's also a balance to that. Um, and a couple of people have said, one person said, you know, the toxicity from an old boss who just maybe overshared. and was like mm. constantly complaining, constantly being negative. Right. And I think that's where, you you know, you want a place where you can let people vent, but you have to really find the balance being the leader of the group to make sure that you balance that with, okay, yeah, there's, we'll make this space today about like, just get out or, you know, get out any feelings that you have or stress that you have, but then let's also redirect that and then talk together about what can we do for one another to support one another. Right. And let's focus a little bit of that with some solutions and some actions that we can take together to really support one another. You don't want it to go down the path of you're just constantly complaining to your team because, Someone said, like I worry about, you know, oversharing or sharing that stress and putting that stress on my team because a lot of times people look to us as leaders to really set the barometer and really set a positive path forward, or they look to us to to keep them engaged and to keep their spirits high. So there is definitely a delicate balance there. But I do think and it is important to really name it and talk about it with your team and make sure that they know that they they can feel comfortable enough to open up to you as well and work together. And I agree with your point. How then you talk to your manager about that is very different. Like psychological safety is so important in any environment, whether it's with your friends, your family, but especially at work, especially now when people are probably working in so many different locations. Hopefully you have uh, that type of relationship with your manager that you feel comfortable to say like, hey, look, this is what I'm feeling. This is how it's impacting me. But also be careful to be mindful to also... Ask for what it is that you need from your manager to help you. Hey, I need your help prioritizing, you know, helping me prioritize this. Or I need to set boundaries. Like I can't be, you know, five o'clock, I have to be off. I need to be with my kids and my family. And I'm not going to get back on until tomorrow morning. Or if, I, if, unless something really big, you know, pops up and I have to address that. I think there's definitely a delicate balance there in terms of
0: what you ask for and, and how you ask for that. And we wanted to make sure we left all of you with like things to walk away from. I think hopefully you see it in my newsletter. I'm always trying to give you all things that you can go do tomorrow that will help you improve the situation. And so some key takeaways that I think we talked about a little bit. Um, assessing what you're comfortable with. This first point is all about like, do you feel safe with your manager and your team to share the things that you need to share? Ultimately, if you don't feel safe, like sharing, it's not gonna be good. Like that, that's a hard piece because I'm, I could talk about how to build safety with your manager, probably for like five other hours at a different time. But that's like the first point here. And I think, what you mentioned on point number two, what you tell your team versus your manager is different. So think about your audiences and your messaging. And I love the point three, be explicit in your ask. Like, what do you need help with? What is stressing you out every day? What that thing is, go to your manager and say, I need help with this thing.
1: Yeah, I liked what someone said, um, and this is important, especially being in a leadership role. As a leader, it's important to find your safe people at work that you know you can share your stress with, right? You can be open and vulnerable and you trust them. And it's true. We need to be able to model both maturity and authenticity so that our teams can grow their stress management skills and resiliency. That's such an important point. And I think that's what's tough being in HR in general, but even being in a people leader role, whether you're in HR or not, is really being able to strike that balance between being authentic about what you're feeling, but also helping your team manage their stress and find ways to really manage resiliency
0: in the workplace. I think that's incredibly important. Um, next question I get to ask you. Flight attendants will tell a passenger to put their oxygen mask on first before helping others. This is such an analogy. Everyone's been using I love it. it. What advice do you have for people in HR who are just as burned out and faking it until we make it?
1: Whew, I have been there. Fake it till you make it doesn't it work. <laughs> I can tell you that it may work in the beginning, but I think it also depends on the spectrum of how burnt out you're feeling. Right. And I know sometimes that kind of waver, but because our role being in HR or being in a people leader role involves serving others. Right. So we often forget to check in on ourselves because we're so focused on being there for other people. I think first and foremost, it's important for us to be able to name it, identify. You know, of the three things that HIPAA mentioned earlier, you know, what is the burnout? What type of burnout are you experiencing? And really being able to identify what is contributing to your feeling of burnout. You have to own it. You have to own that you're feeling burned out. What are those things that are causing burnout? And then communicating that, just like we talked about. What that looks like and being able to articulate that to people that you feel safe with in the workplace or your manager, if you have that type of a relationship or you've built that type of psychological safety. Or maybe even if you haven't, this could be a way to really break those barriers with your manager and to start to create a feeling of safety um, with your direct manager. You know, I know there's some things that people say that are going to feel trite, but I've been living this and I've been experiencing it myself. And I stepped away from a role and a job because I was feeling so burned down and I felt like I no longer was serving anybody around me. And it was definitely you know, this world of remote or hybrid, there is often now not a separation as much between your home life and your work life. And so things start to creep in. And I think it's important to to really be able to set boundaries. It's incredibly important. And I think the challenge with setting boundaries is we say, okay, yeah, these are the boundaries that we want to set, but you have to reprogram your brain and you have to reprogram the habit of sticking to those boundaries. Like one thing I started to do was, blocking my schedule out and you know saying like this is my time to be thinking. This is my time to get outside and go for a walk. That's been huge for me. It's like when I feel that feeling of overwhelm, I will step away and I will go out and take a walk and get in the sunshine and get some vitamin D, take my dog for a walk. I'm someone that's very open. I've been in therapy for many years and I have been working a lot with on mindfulness with my therapist and meditation, which is incredibly hard for me because I've always found myself to be a very extroverted person. I think through the pandemic and everything that has happened, I now I feel like I'm a recovering extrovert where I now find myself needing time to seriously unplug, like turn all social media off and even step away from my family, where I just am like, I need to be alone and I just need to reset. Where before I used to be someone that got energy off of people, I feel like that has shifted a little bit. I think it's important to figure out what those things are for yourself, right? What are those boundaries that you need to set and really reprogram yourself to really do those things day in and day out until they become, what do they say? You have to do things a certain amount of time. 21 days. Yes. Before it becomes like a real habit, it has to be very conscious. I also think asking for help is important in our jobs within HR and people. There's a lot of administrative tasks or a lot of things that a lot of tasks that we do and we, we don't stop to think about, are these some of the things that I could find a way with my team to automate some of these things where I also don't want to delegate these sort of admin tasks or these things that just are redundant things that we do day in and day out and then delegate it to someone else for them to be overwhelmed. So get with your team to really think about, are these some things within a process that you can really automate and take off of everybody's plates? I think that's something else to think about when you think about like the actual day-to-day work. Those are some things that I know that have I've been working through and that have worked for me. But I, and I think also figuring out like what is your definition of self care. We just dropped this link in the chat. I saw it this morning on LinkedIn, and I, I like sent it to him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. There's a post that someone shared today it was seven types of rest to help you not get burned out, or maybe if you're in burnout, how do you get out of it? It's physical, mental, social spiritual, sensory, emotional, and creative rest. Um, there's a lot more detail in what that means in each of those things, but I think that would be def- de- definitely worthwhile. I found it really thought-provoking and eye-opening. Like, oh, wow, creative rest.
0: I never even thought about that. What are some things that have worked for you, Heba? Oh, man. I am trying to be better. I like me to post about this last week. Like, am I type a am I just like a type a person or am I really burnt out and I think it's like I'm navigating both of those from like trying to be a high achieving person all the time and I think it like lends itself to like bad behavior in the workplace I'm not good at setting boundaries I am not good at telling people no and I'm not good at blocking my calendar and those are things I'm like actively working on because I I spent time asking myself like is this the environment or is it me? Is it me? and I the problem? Um, I think about that TikTok voice all the time. And what I found out, like spending some time thinking about me in the workplace, I was like, I, I do a lot of things that contribute to my own burnout. And so I myself am trying to be better at like setting those boundaries. And that is probably like the best advice I can give all of you. I feel like all of us came to HR or most of us fell into it because we care deeply for the people around us. And part of that caring means like, we're pretty selfless as like a job function. We have to be, we have to help everyone else before we can help ourselves. And the shift that I would love to see in HR is like, we should be taking care of ourselves first because we need to make sure our cup is full to help everyone else. And so if we're constantly giving, giving, giving and never taking care of ourselves, we're gonna, if we're gonna be in the cycle of burnout forever. And so that is something like the, probably the biggest piece of advice that I could give is like, it's okay to be selfish. In this role, and to really say, like, this is what my team needs, and what I need to be successful. Absolutely, I love so so many amazing
1: ideas and things that are being shared in the chat. Someone said, "I recently learned on Headspace that one thing to consider in self care is doing activities that put you into a state of into a flow state. Mm -hmm. You enjoy. So maybe that's pottery, reading, crocheting, cooking, writing. Rediscover the things that you used to lose yourself in that you lost the track of time in. That is incredibly spot on." I mean, I love that so much, the flow state. I recently, I think, found a love of reading again. And I w- was always reading. But like all these books you see behind me, these are like books for, I wouldn't say for work. Work didn't tell me I had to read them, but it's always me thinking about, oh, like, okay, what can I do differently? Oh, let me get a book on that. Oh, people analytics. I want to learn more about this or that. <laughs> and you just get kind of caught up in that, right? But then you you don't read for pleasure. And I have read... Colleen Hoover, her books, I don't know, have been like life-changing for me. I have read like five of her books, I'm not even kidding you, in the last two weeks. And it definitely puts me in that state of flow where I can like lose myself and throw yes. myself a book and like just forget. And it turns my anxious brain off. I don't know if any, any of you suffer from anxiety. I'm also a type A, like recovering. I don't even think I'm recovering yet. I think um, I'm the Yeah, I think I'm just type A. And I so... For me, it's
0: like, how do I get my brain to turn off and stop thinking so much? So I I love these ideas that are coming through. It's really interesting you mentioned reading because I'm like a lifelong reader. It's a thing that like all my friends know about me. My bookshelves are like full. We have books like up here. It's pretty crazy. I have to get rid of some. But it was like my childhood pastime was reading. And I found when I started looking at like my professional career in times where I was like the most depressed and the most burnt out, I wasn't picking up books to read. And so now I also know about myself that like when I am really stressed at work or I don't feel engaged or excited that my reading is going to go down. And so now I'm like mindful of like my own reading. I'm like, oh, I must subconsciously be at a bad spot if I'm not going to pick up a book. Um, Don't love Colleen Hoover, but I'm a huge Emily Henry, Allie Hazelwood (laughs) fan. As you all saw on my newsletter, I read a lot of fantasy and romance Um, If you have any recommendations, please send them. But I did read recently that like people who read fiction are actually more creative problem solvers than people who read nonfiction. Not to dunk on nonfiction. Everybody loves a good self-help book or a business book. But if you're really feeling your creativity is gone, I encourage you to go pick up like a fiction book and just see if you can like lose yourself in another world. Absolutely. Send me all your book recs, by the way, because I will read them and then tell you how obsessed I am with them. So to recap, some key takeaways. Sark, I do want to cover these. Yeah. Name your burnout, right?
1: Identify what, what it is, what type of burnout, and the symptoms you're experiencing, and what it is in your life that is causing you burnout. And it could be in or out of work, right? I get burned out by my family and like being everything for everyone in my family, just like I am at work. So be okay sort of naming it and identify what you need. Self-care, whatever that looks like for you. I hate prescribing people self-care like tactics because- what works for me may not work for you, may not work for someone else, right? So figure out, and there's a lot of really great ideas in the chat box here on what's going to help you get into that state of flow, which I, I love that. And again, set boundaries and stick to them. Again, 21 days to break and start a new habit. And so you have to really consciously be thinking through that you know, for 21 days before it just becomes
0: sort of innate in you. I'm going to have to start it. Honestly, I'm going to start a tracker and I'm going to start blocking my calendar. Yeah, I need like an accountability group, or maybe like yeah. a book club. Even <laughs> all of those, all of, I want all of those, all those things. because I, I need help. <laughs> I, need, I need help. Um, our next question before we jump to like live Q and A. So if you haven't been putting stuff in Slido, you can pop over there and put any questions. But this is our last one for us. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. So
1: in some cases, we don't leave a job because we are the only HR person and the only through line to leadership. So we feel this sense of responsibility for the people that we leave behind. But how do you prepare your employees when you have to quit a job for your own well-being?
0: Yeah, I am the queen of quitting, as all of us have seen in several of my newsletters. I am very pro. Quit your job if you're not happy. Um, It's always a really hard decision to make to quit a job because I do think because we're also selfless, we think about the employees we're leaving behind and how we are responsible for them. Sometimes you just have to be really selfish and ask yourself, what do I need? And I think that softens the blow a little bit for who you're leaving behind, but it also puts you first. And so when you need to prepare those employees, I just be honest with them on what's going on. They're going to see right through it if you spin up some crazy story about why you're leaving. So I always try to be as honest as possible. I know sometimes you cannot tell people why you're leaving or there are certain circumstances, but I encourage if you can be honest, being honest with the employees so that they get a sense for what's going on. The worst thing to happen would be like if you just magically left and everyone would be like, what? What's going on? Be honest with your employees why and make a plan. I love a good plan. Like you care about these people. You want to see them be successful. And so as you're transitioning or leaving a job, make a plan of all the things that you think that they need in the next few months to be successful without you. Those are kind of like my two go-tos. Be honest and make a plan. I think a big
1: takeaway from this is You need to be selfish. There are times where you need to be selfish and you have to think about what's going to be beneficial for you, what's going to be healthy for you. Someone posted this earlier and I read the same thing. It can take a year to really recover from being burned out. Someone else is saying, I think it's important to also identify that burnout can happen from so many different places, right? It's not just what's happening at work. It's also what's happening in your personal life. And sometimes, you know, I think you have to make the tough decision Um, If you've tried, right, you've tried to articulate, this is what's stressing me out, or I'm seeing a lot of this and I have been there where, you know, how do you navigate in an organization where you don't, you don't have alignment with your C-suite, right? They're not supporting you or they're not helping you to support the vision or the culture that you're trying to really build and create. Um, I left an organization for that very reason. And it was a really difficult decision. In fact, I left without another job and I have never done that in my entire career Um, And it was, I'm not going to lie. It was incredibly scary, incredibly overwhelming, a lot of anxiety, but I have found that it's probably been the best thing for me in my career because the only other time I've ever taken time away from work is when I've had children, which we all, for those of us that have had kids know that that's not really a break. But I do think when you can be honest about why you're leaving a job to do that, but of course I get it. You're right. You don't always have the luxury of doing that, but I think- I love yours, like you know make a plan, right and and stick to it and be as transparent as you possibly can be given the situation you're in. But I also think it's okay to be selfish in a time like this. The burnout, I mean the fact that it's even being labeled now as like an actual disease and something that the who is really paying attention to. I think it's that for a reason and really take the time to self-reflect and take that time for yourself.
0: I just read this article, I think I put it in, I hate it hear like two weeks ago about uh, the impact on your health, that stress has. And I'm like a very heart conscious person. I have like a history of heart disease and my family I have lost family members to it. Stress is like the number one contributor to it. And when you're really burnt down and stressed all the time, like it is not worth your health and your ability to like be on this earth because your job, this is the saying we all laugh about, but it's true. Like if you died tomorrow, your job would replace you. And so you have to think to yourself sometimes, like, I have to be a little selfish because for my health, this is not working. And that stress has a really bad toll on your heart. And I just want to encourage all of you, if you are, like, in a high-stress environment, every day you feel that stress piling on, it is not going to be good for you health-wise. I've lost my hair due to stress, which I did. Okay. white hair. so it's Possible, but it's a thing, so absolutely. Yeah, that's actually like a good thing in COVID too. People were like, everyone's losing their hair. That's true. I had that as a long COVID symptom. Yeah. Um, okay, now we're gonna go into our key takeaways real quick. The last key takeaways. Make a plan and be explicit in your ask. I feel like this is my wrong side, but be explicit in like why you were leaving. Be selfish and honestly like talk about what you're experiencing. Your team is gonna see it through it, through you if you're like, hey, I'm leaving, because you know, well, I just I'm doing great. I just want to go. No. And if it's personal or professional, like I think it's really okay to tell people I'm taking some time off for like things I want to deal with in my life. You don't have to tell them what you're dealing with, but you can tell people like, I'm doing what's best for me and it's this time that I need to take. Also acknowledging it's a luxury to quit.
1: There's a comment that is really resonating with me. You can take yourself yeah. out of a toxic environment, but taking the residual toxicity out of yourself and your life is an entirely different thing. Yeah. That is so spot on. That takes a lot of work, a lot of intentionality, in thinking about how am I going to remove this residual toxicity out of my life. In my case, it took a toll on my confidence. I felt like I've been, I had been confident in my capabilities in in my work. I identify myself um, for better or worse by my work, my job, my accomplishments, my team's accomplishments, what we're doing as an organization. You know, you really pride yourself on that. Like I have all this like dedication and. Right, I'm so focused, and all these things, and then before you know it, you realize like you're also like hurting yourself in the process when you don't find and strike that that balance. Um, so that's a really important comment that someone made as well. Yeah, I'm oh, really
0: self-love sp- sabbatical. Exactly, I love that. I'm going comment weekend side. So I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> admit, I was gonna say like I'm also somebody who the energy of the people around me really impact my energy, and so that toxic taking the toxic environment out and still trying to remove it from yourself. Honestly, that I'm going to think about that all night tonight because I have been there where I've been in really bad environments. And then I end up like not feeling proud of who I am as a person because it starts to like carry over into my life. And I'm like, who is this? This is not what I want to be. And so that's yeah. just something to think about.
1: I mean, chances are a lot of people in the chat box said, you know, I'm a, I'm a people pleaser. I mean, like someone had said we have a Slack channel or a group called like recovering people pleasers, right? Chances are, if you're a people pleaser just by nature, you're not just doing it in the workplace, you're doing it in your home or you're doing it with your friends. And so really making sure, to your point, thinking about the people around you in your life and are they giving you energy or are they taking energy away from you? And people that take that energy away from you, you either need to cut it out or you, or in some cases it could be family. You have to really be able to find that boundary saying, "I'm sorry, like I can't be that for you today." Or, like I can't, right? I think that's also important
0: because it's happening on both sides of our lives, right? It's not just in the workplace. Yeah. Onto our live queue Q and A. Here we go. Yes. Y'all ready? The first question. It feels like burnout is an endless loop. What tips do you have besides leaving to break the loop? I think we've touched on a lot of different things, but.
1: I think burnout in the workplace or, you know, what you're feeling in the workplace as far as burnout, I, if you don't want, if you're, you know, obviously I wouldn't suggest that your first step is to just get up and go. That's why I think it's important to really identify what it is that is causing you burnout, name that, and that you have to, might have to have a difficult conversation with your direct manager or your boss and articulating what it is that's causing you burnout, you know, particularly within the workplace and be very clear on what your ask is. It is an important way to be able to break that loop is to open that those channels of communication with someone that someone or people that can really help you in your day-to-day work environment. And then I think like you know, we've talked about a lot of different elements of self-care, right? It is a lot about what can you do for yourself? What can you control? Right. And a lot of things you can control are the things that you do for yourself day in and day out. Time blocking your calendar, eating healthy, getting outside during the workday, making sure you put those. 15, 20 minute breaks, even if it's, you're not going to get outside just to step away from your computer, go put on a TV show, right? Just to like disconnect, whatever that might look like. I mean, that's the beauty. If you're working from home, you can step away and do things like that. I think you have to think about those types of things that help you to sort of reconnect with yourself. And like I
0: said, go back to get you in that flow state. I had a habit of like eating on every call. And I totally thought that was like normal until I was like, I need to start having a real lunch, like at least 30 minutes or 15 minutes because that's like not good. And I'm thinking about that now, like time blocking my calendar. But I do think like the only way to change something is to like speak up about it. And that I understand is a take that comes with a lot of privilege. Like PU, that means you have the understanding of like feeling safe in the environment and not all of us have that. But I do think like if you don't feel safe and you can't change things, then I think you do have a tough decision to make. But I'm the queen of quitting, so I'm always telling people to quit. <laughs> I recognize that. It's not a luxury everyone has. Great. Next question. What type of programs and resources can we provide to our burnt out workforce, both on-site and remote? So I, I don't know if anyone's been reading, I hate it here or pull the theme out for the last few weeks. I've been talking about how engagement has gone down for the first time in a decade because we are so burnt out as a like getting employee engagement is low because employees just can't engage right now. They have a lot going on we're working remotely, we haven't really figured that one out. And I do think like people are tired of working 24 seven. And so there, I wish I had like a program that could be like, here's a program you can offer them. The one thing I will say, work with your managers, get your managers trained on how to talk to their teams about burnout. And a big piece of that is expectation management. What are your managers telling their team is required, required of them? And if you can train your managers to help manage expectations of your team correctly, I think you will see a change in your workforce. Sorry, I got you out there. I, I really mean, we end- definitely talked a lot. You and I talk a lot about
1: manager training. Yeah, Honestly, management training and development was what got me into the space of HR and people. So I am incredibly passionate with that, and I think part of our jobs as people, you know, leaders in the space, is also to help articulate the need to invest in manager training. Whether it's about how do you identify burnout and how do you support, how do you get your employees engaged, but even in other areas of management training, I think you got to bring your executive team along and help them see the value in investing in that type of training and development. It is, it's huge. There's a ton of research out there at our fingertips, all over LinkedIn. Gartner has like the top five priorities for CHROs of 2023. And the number one thing on their list is um leadership and management development, training and effectiveness it's on the minds of everyone right now and it's just up to us to really be able to figure out how we articulate the the benefits of that and the ROI sometimes unfortunately we have to speak in their language and ROI seems to be something that obviously resonates with a lot of you know executives my job before my last one it was in person it was local obviously not through the pandemic but and then i went to a, a purely remote job someone has a type a personality and I really didn't think about how that was going to really impact me and my sense of connection and belonging to the organization and the people around me. So I actually think there's a lot. This really kind of goes hand in hand with building the remote or hybrid world, really thinking through the channels in which employees can connect with one another. That's like creating different Slack channels for people to find like-minded people that want to talk about the same things. I really think highly about with ERGs when they're really designed and developed and implemented accordingly. Really thinking about giving people places that they can find other people that you know, whatever the ERG might be about or the Slack channel might be about. I think people are looking for connection as well, and people that might think the same way that they do, or maybe even think differently that they can learn from one another. But I I also feel like this feeling of burnout, at least for me and people on my last team, was Really stemming from a place of lack of authentic connection and a lack of sense of belonging, right? To the organization or to the team. So I think any ways in which you can create those types of channels and environments for people to connect, I think will also help, help the burnout in the organization as well.
0: Yeah. I think like the, the last piece I'll add here and we can move on is like you can implement as many programs and give resources as much as you want. But if you're not doing anything to actually change the workload that is being put on your employees, you are going to accomplish nothing. You can do as many cute little things you want throughout the day, but at the end of the day, your employees are still going to be faced with like more work. And if you can't solve that problem and help set your expectations correctly, the programs are going to be useless.
1: What really is weighing heavy on my heart the last few weeks, and I know it's going to continue to happen, is all these layoffs that are happening in organizations. Yeah. It's, just, it's heart-wrenching to see people losing their jobs. And then you also think about the people that are still in the organization. The work doesn't stop. And so now all of that work is now just being delegated to a smaller group of people who are going to undoubtedly likely experience some level of burnout. And so you yeah. bring up a really good point. Um, prioritization and figuring out how we can take certain things off of people's plates and really getting with our executive team to really look back at the priorities. Like, is this really a priority or is and then communicating that to the employee population because how we might prioritize as an executive team might be different. It might not resonate with an employee, but why would you, why would that be the focus? We've talked about X, Y, and Z we've asked for this in our employee engagement surveys. I think it's also important to communicate and be very transparent with your workforce on like, here's how we've prioritized these three things, and this is why, but we also recognize that there are other things that are going on, other things that people desire, people think are important, and we're going to continue to work through those things, but here's why we're focused on these three things right now, and this is how it ties to the sort of broader organizational strategy or our mission. I think you really, as leaders, we have to be able to articulate those things so people can really understand and connect with why leaders are making the decisions that they are. I love that. We could probably talk about this forever, honestly, but That's I think change management it's huge, 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 huge organizations. Solely organizations don't do change management well. It's just an afterthought. They just think about, we got to get this out. We got to get this out. We have to implement this thing, but you don't think about the
0: people are the most critical component of anything that you're implementing. That was on the Gartner top five things for HCR, the HRO, change management. Absolutely. People don't think about it very often, but I'm like every single thing we do, especially when it comes to employees, needs to have a thoughtful plan on how we intend to like manage this because it's it's an afterthought for a lot of people. Right, cool. Okay, next question. How do you identify a toxic workplace and how can you as an HR professional begin or try to change that culture?
1: For me, I think a workplace where employees or leader anyone really is not encouraged to speak up and have a voice, and share what they might be feeling, or share ideas, and really be recognized for that, is definitely a sign of a toxic workplace, you know, our Spiritual safety. Yeah, that yeah. right, because being able to share what you're feeling, or share ideas, or, and, and be recognized for the things that you're sharing, you're right, it does bring a level of psychological safety in the workplace, and when there is no psychological safety, what I've
0: often seen is toxicity sort of
1: comes up behind that.
0: The second part of the question, how can you as an HR professional begin or try to change the culture? Oh, I have such a pessimistic view of this. I'll share it. I'll share with that caveat. I sometimes worry that it's impossible to change a toxic work environment. The habits are hard to break and we as people do not change easily. And I'm caveating that like that's a very pessimistic view of like the work that we do. I think it's really hard unless your leadership, specifically if you have founders or your C-suite are committed to changing the culture, I do not think it will change. So as an HR professional, like if we're on, if we're in a leadership position, it's on us to help work across the leadership team. Sometimes it feels crazy because you're managing your team. You're managing the leadership team. I always say like a chief people officer, head of people, you're also kind of the hybrid manager for the leadership team, like helping them figure out how to be good leaders too. And I think it starts there. And if they're able to change, then I do think you can have sizable change on the culture. I always say too, like if you have founders or you're at a small startup, all the good parts of their DNA and all the bad parts of their DNA will trickle down into the company culture. So if you have a bad one, starting there to look at like, what habits are my C-suite or founders saying are, like their habits and how are they showing up in the culture? And so I think maybe you can change it, but it is an uphill battle. And I'm usually an optimist. This one, I'm like very pessimistic on actually changing company culture. Culture is not just HR's job, right? We, We say that, we hear that.
1: Culture does come from the top. It starts with the leaders on the top. And you're right. Someone asked earlier on, you know, like, what do you do if like, it's the CEO that's creating your burnout or the toxicity in your organization? I mean, we don't have the power to oust the ceo of an organization right the only power we really have or control we have is to continue to articulate what is going on in the workplace how what kind of impact it's having on the business right what kind of impact it might be having on growth on the numbers right looking at recruiting looking at engagement numbers and and putting those into numbers because that's the language that they speak but you know oftentimes it is difficult we don't have as much control but yes, I I agree, getting rid of, identifying who those toxic leaders are and exiting them from the organization, right? Or maybe trying to understand why are they being so toxic? Maybe they're burnt out, right? And is there hope yeah. to change the way that they think? I think those are some of the challenges that we just have to continue to tackle head on. Someone also said, and it's like definitely hit, hits home with me, but said, so many things said today have really hit home. I don't know if I'm just too emotional, but hearing someone else saying the same things I've said to myself makes me feel validated. Oh, no.
0: no. Yeah. Honestly, I'm a Pisces, so I'm very emotional, but like, it's okay. Like The things that we are saying, I think people are really experiencing them. And I'm glad that you're here and that you have a community to feel that validation because you're not alone. As I okay. went invite all the questions, the people on this call, Sarga and I, like, this was the first topic. We were like, we need to talk about this more because HR people are experiencing like unprecedented burnout. And we are just, we give our all. We are the, f- the function that has to give everything for a company to be successful. And I think we're most often also taken advantage of. So I am here Absolutely. to advocate
1: for all of you. Um someone said one of the biggest skills I learned at my last job was how to get the COO to hear what HR had to say and commit to what we were suggesting. Really changed the game. That is such a great point. In many cases the COO is probably really the one that's uh, is really managing the operations from day to day, right? They have a lot of control in terms of how leaders communicate with one another, how we prioritize The ability to take things off of people's plate, the ability to get the CEO to to think differently or from a different perspective. If it's the CEO, that's really your roadblock. That's such a, a critical point. And definitely someone in an organization, if you have a COO or a CAO, really getting them on your side and really helping them to see the impact that this is having, even
0: on the operating rhythm and the op tempo of an organization. Yeah finding your advocates and the people who are like your allies and your support to get things changed, I think will be really powerful too. Um, Love this question. What is the best way to lift employee morale in a virtual world? The best way is the way that your employees want to be lifted. That's a a terrible response. I think the best way is like understanding what your employees want, because it's going to be different based on your employee set. And then Honestly, like surveying them and seeing like what they want out of from y'all is really helpful. Like, do they want more company events? Do they want more team events? Do they want swag? Do they want time off? There's so many things you can give them. Um, I think Newsstand, one of the sponsors, does like employee gifts, surprising like little gifts and moments that matter. That's like a thing that people really like. I'm like... Uh, not my top love language. Like I don't want gifts. I want to give them, but I don't want to get them. So that's just something to think about. There are lots of ways to lift your employee's morale, but like asking them first what they want is so powerful. I completely agree with that. I mean, there's obviously a lot of focus. You've seen a lot of
1: um, HR tech platforms around recognition, right? Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest point that you made is how does an employee, how does... Look at even on your team, how do employees on your team want to be recognized? Some people want their name in lights and they want to get that type of validation. some people don't. They want to know that they're bringing value and maybe you just have that conversation in a one-on-one and and that's enough for them. But I think that's completely right. I I don't think, I don't always see organizations doing a great job on rewarding and recognizing their employees. You know, I've heard leaders say, "What? that's what their merit increases for. No, that's not what their merit increases for. And there's a lot that we could be doing day to day. Like even um, one thing I loved, uh, my CEO, too, not last company, the company before, he was always so great about. Uh, we did a great job of incorporating our company values into an employee recognition program, and we also allowed for peer-to-peer recognition, where you could get like twenty-five dollar gift card or something, and you could recognize someone, something that they've done, something that they've contributed, and align it to a core company value. So you're living your values, and you can. Really showcase how your values are really integrated in the fabric of your culture, but oftentimes what I found is when I saw employees doing extraordinary things, I would send an email to our entire executive leadership team and say, Hey, you know, so and so, like Hibba did a really great job in HR therapy. I love this idea. This is the you know type of feedback we got. It would be great if you guys could send her a note. Or I would send the email recognizing this person and tag the ELT. I mean, at that one point, we had 25 people on our executive leadership team, tag the executive leadership team, and then everybody would just respond, like, way to go. That's amazing. Like, and people just felt like, oh my gosh. Like, and a lot of times our CEO would like personally call the person or email them a one on one email by saying, like, that was so awesome. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Like, you're the reason why our culture is the way that it is. Like, those types of things, like, takes them, you know, he would spend 15 minutes at the start of his day and 15 minutes at the end of his day and go through like any names that we gave him across or anything that he heard from other leaders and send
0: people like actual emails to their inbox. And it was huge. I love that. Uh, yeah. it a long way. Yeah. Lots of, and I, I wrote about appreciation in this week's I hated here about like how much appreciation really impacts employee engagement. And so if you're employees morale is low stop and ask yourself like how are we appreciating these employees right because it's a it's a dark time um uh, let's the workplace is real yep we're seeing a yeah. lot of we're gonna do questions for like three more minutes and then we'll pop back to the presentation and do wrap up so let's try to maybe rapid fire like two more of these how do you help your team recognize when they need a break especially when you can tell but they don't realize it yet it's a good one i tell your team to take a break I just say, like, I think you need to take a break. I try to tie
1: that into some of the amazing work that they've been doing. Like, hey, I noticed, gosh, this the last three weeks, like you've really been like heads down, really pushing hard on this initiative. And oh my gosh, look at the things that you've done. Like you've made such tremendous, you know, you've brought so much value and you've contributed so much. And this is what the kind of impact it's having. Mm I really think you deserve to take, you know, like take the next couple of days off and just, you know, disconnect, get off of your Slack, get off of your email and just rest and relax. You've earned it. Right. I usually like to try and tie it to, because in some cases, if it's just like, go take a break and you don't quantify it with, yeah. Like, yeah. with why I'm at versus like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get through tomorrow. Right. I to make sure that they recognize like what they've been doing has had like a huge impact.
0: Yeah. Also asking them what you can handle for them when they take their break. It's so powerful to say like, hey, I'd love it if you take like the next few days off. I think you've done such great work. What can I do for you in the next few days so that when you come back refreshed, that you're not coming back to a mountain of things that stress you out again or that burn you out again? That second piece of like, what can I do as your manager to make sure you come back to inbox zero or to a situation where then you're not thrown back into it? Super powerful. How should you approach your manager if you feel they may be experiencing burnout and or it's an impact on your work? I've had managers be burnt out before. I'm a very like transparent and honest person. So I would just probably tell my manager, hey, something is going on or you don't seem to be 100% or you seem like really tired and exhausted and burnt out. Like, how can I help you? You know, I've
1: had someone um, on my team in my last, organization, you know, come to me, someone I was very close with on my team, but tell me, Sarga, you like the way she approached it was so it was actually validating. She said, you do, you've you done so much for us. You're constantly like fighting these battles for us. And we can, you, we can tell that it's having, it's having a visible impact on you. Like we want to be there for you too. So like, what can we do to help you? And like, if you need to disconnect, like you don't need to always be on for us. And I felt like just hearing that mm-hmm. from someone on my team it felt validating more than i was embarrassed because they recognized that like you know they would recognized that like, i was really trying right and i never want to disconnect i always want to be on for my team yes. it just felt good to hear them say like you need a break and it's okay to take a break like we don't think less of you if you need a break we actually you know and like disconnect or if i was going on vacation we better not get any slots or messages from you we're not going to respond to you literally um, uh, yeah. that was helpful. Right. And then hearing that a couple
0: of times helped me then start to take the breaks when I needed it. Yeah. I've had a team tell me that too. Um, we, I wanted to like wrap up 1119 is our next episode of HR therapy. We're going to talk about why everyone seems to fucking hate working. <laughs> I think it's going to be a very interesting session. I can't wait. I'll send you all more details in the next. Um, I hated here and there'll be questions you can ask like I just love that we're talking about real things that are happening in HR, these HR therapies. And that's, I will keep doing these until I have no more real talk left in me, which I don't think will ever happen. Um, But November 19th is a Saturday. I don't think Mm you had to do Saturday, right? That is not right. It should be November. (laughs) Yeah. Should be November 16th. Please don't mind me. That was a mess up on my part. Wow, y'all are catching all my mistakes. And someone else asked earlier if there was a schedule for the upcoming HR therapy discussion. I love that. I am working on that. I will try to share a full schedule. Sometimes in real time, I'm like changing moving speakers around or topics around just on what's the most relevant. It turns out I have a lot of passionate HR people in my network that want to talk about things. Also, if you're a passionate HR person and have a topic that you just love or it's your deep area of subject matter expertise, I would love to have you on one of these. I want to highlight and elevate as many people as I possibly can, and that means co-hosting an HR therapy with me. We're also doing HR therapy live in New York City. It's a full day to help people prepare for 2023. It'll have four featured guest speakers, a happy hour, and networking panel afterwards. And it's really all about the how do we prepare HR for their seat at the table and give them all the tools they need to be successful in 2023. I know a lot of 2023 planning is already started, but the workshop for one day in New York is meant to like help supercharge a lot of that. With two minutes left, I have some final takeaways, right? Like we talked a lot about burnout, a lot of things. The first one I'll cover, be honest about what you need. If you don't have that relationship already with your manager, try to cultivate it. Be honest about what it is you need to be successful and that starts with like a little bit of self-awareness. So if you journal, journal it down, write about what you need to be successful. Sorry, i hand free for number two because I feel like you do this one really well. Yeah. Acknowledge and name your burnout. You
1: know, you got to come to terms with what is causing your burnout, what type of symptoms you're experiencing and be able to articulate what it is that you need to be able to start finding your way
0: out of it. Build a plan. Build that plan. And the last thing, be selfish. I know all of you are giving your all at work. Just be a little bit selfish with yourself, please. If that's like one thing to take away today, it's that all of you deserve to work somewhere you love and be selfish with what you need to be successful. With that, we conclude our second episode of HR Therapy. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you for an hour of your day. I'm so honored you chose to spend it with us. Take a break. Go be selfish with yourself. Self-care. And send me your book recommendations. I like reading. (laughs) Bye, all. Thanks for tuning in. Keep up with all the latest HR resources by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And if you love I Hate It Here, tell an HR friend. I'll see you next time.